Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Here we go. Are you ready? It's time. So let me do this. Let me invite Kate McBride up. She is the chair of our board. Would you welcome her to the stage? And she's going to take it from here. All right. Aloha. Look at your Hawaiian shirts. You guys look awesome. Fantastic. I represent the LifePoint Church Board of Directors, not just the current Board of Directors, but going all the way back 32 years for anyone who served in governance alongside PG and Cheryl from when they began. You know, back in the day, we had the Board of Trustees. We had the late, great Bill O'Connell and Craig Cunningham and others. And then, over 20 years ago, we had our first Board Director. Michael Bryan is here today from Austin. And to all those who have served up until our current board directors. I'm privileged to represent you. I'm here to thank George on all of our behalf and present a gift for he and Cheryl. So I'm gonna say a few words and then I'm gonna invite the man of the hour up here. You know, day after day, week after week, and not just Sundays, month after month for 32 years, PG and Cheryl have led and loved this church. He has consistently been our shepherd, he has equipped us spiritually, he's educated us, he's cared for us with biblical guidelines, and just always displayed God's love for us. Now, I know George takes very seriously that many years from now, at the end of his days, God will ask him for an account of how he developed his church family. And this makes me smile because, God, I know you're all-powerful, but, you know, it's like you're going to have to get comfortable and clear your schedule because this guy has an awful lot to cover. George has always been plugged into God's power, and under his leadership, we have made tremendous, tremendous accomplishments and progress as we join people seeking purpose to offer them life through Jesus Christ. Now, Cheryl Pfizer, from where you're watching, we are 200% celebrating here very much because of you. Thank you, Cheryl, for your, your grace and your wisdom and for all the sacrifices your family has made when George's responsibilities for the church got in the way. Now, uh, between the... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Cheryl. So all those uh, baptisms, those salvations, the 32 Christmases and Easter's, everything in between, the relationships built and rebuilt, not just here in our church family, but in our community and globally. Uh, George, it's amazing. Come on up here. <laughs> All right. Well, we know, uh, we know that you don't do this for presence and for the spotlight. You do this for God's glory. But I do have a present for you. As your board chair, I thank you for your leadership and your vision and most of all your integrity all these years. We have a present. So let me bring out Becky and Charles. 
Becky and Charles are long-term church members, and they have something to present. They are on our board. Uh, we're just going to stand here this side, and they're going to come up right here. If you don't know, George likes to have meetings at McDonald's, and he adores the coffee at McDonald's. So, George, what does it say here as far as the payee? The the payee, where's the pay? Right here, okay. George and Cheryl Pfizer, okay. Oh, McDonald's coffee. Oh, the memo there. Yes, we are giving you and Cheryl a year's supply of McDonald's coffee. Yes. Go God. Woo! Okay, let's, let's take a picture. You want to get behind here? We'll, we'll get a picture for posterity. It's the best coffee in the world. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh, Charles and Becky are going to take this away and get it to you later. That is symbolic. The actual gift cards are right here. You take this. Go get your coffee. Enjoy. We love you. You can take your seat. Okay. Thanks, PG. Oh. Oh. I'm so sorry, George. Can you come back up here? You know, they put accountants like me up here on stage, and I just keep telling them, that's just a bad idea. I make a mess of these things. Okay. That's okay. We, we believe in forgiveness. <laughs> well, well, George, we've got more than coffee. Oh, okay. All right. Good. When it's convenient for you and Cheryl, when it makes sense, which might be next year, the year after, three years from now, whenever you want, LifePoint Church is sending you on an all-expenses-paid trip for two. What? to Hawaii. Wow. Woo Go right. God. <laughs> hey, my shirts will blend in well there for sure. I think you said you uh, have 72 Hawaiian shirts. They can all go home with you if you want. Okay. This is a certificate. I call it a Maui Mahalo vacation package. That's how they say thank you in Hawaii. Oh, Mahalo. Wow. And all the details are on here for you to take home. I'm going to read it so that everyone can know what it is. We're sending you round trip. We're going to put you up front so you get all pampered on the plane. Oh you can rest up and arrive there, you know, all rested. We're going to give you uh, seven nights at a four-star hotel or condo of your choice. We've got a rental car with PG-sized legroom and <laughs> a credit card so you and Cheryl can eat fabulous meals. I love the sushi. You probably want to go on a helicopter. Cheryl may like to go to the spa. And we just want you guys to relax and enjoy with our regards and love. Is there a McDonald's there? You can use your gift cards there for McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. We also have a travel agent. Her name's Lynn Burke at Dallas Travel. And she's going to handle all the arrangements. So you can tell her what you want or she can give you ideas. Oh if you goodness. need to reschedule, she'll handle it. She's got a heart for travel. She can take all the administration out of it. It'll get charged to LifePoint Church. So easy peasy for you. Wow. Thank you so much, LifePoint. This is awesome. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm going to put this on your seat for you, and I'm asking our longtime church member, Brad Studer, to please come up, because we're not finished. I want you to stay here, and Brad's got more. There you go, Brad. Thanks. Thanks, Kate. You ready? I'm ready, Brad. Let's go for it. <laughs> Pastor George, uh, we're here today not only to celebrate and honor you and Cheryl with gift cards to McDonald's and a trip to Hawaii, but also to thank you. To thank you for being our leader, to thank you for being able to laugh at yourself, to thank you for your awesome Frank Sinatra voice, <laughs> to, to thank you for never being too busy for the little things, 
Just thank you for all the time you spent listening. Thank you for all the hugs you've given. Just thank you for all the energy you put in pursuing God's path for our church. And especially to thank you for the Christ-centered truth you have spoken and taught to our church. Thank you for putting God first in all you do and for showing the LifePoint family a beautiful example of God's love for our church. Mm. And as a part of that, thanks. On behalf of the LifePoint Church, I'm pleased to present to you an offering that the church has come up with, a love offering uh, for $27,520. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. This will buy even more McDonald's coffee. It's great. <laughs> okay, before uh, PG gives us a message, um, we have a brief uh, tribute video over the last 32 years. You just watch up here. For me, LifePoint Church has been the greatest ride of my life. And I wanted people to know and understand that Christ was personal, practical, and positive. A year and a half into our journey, we realized that we needed more space. And fortunately, God opened up Schimmelfinnick Middle School, which was right next door to Carlisle Elementary School. That was exciting for us because we had a bigger auditorium. <laughs> our chairs were bigger, but it was also a challenging time. And yet, during that challenging time, God was bringing people and people were getting involved. One Sunday, uh, I uh, went up to George, I noticed uh, that our Sunday school for kids only ran from kindergarten to sixth grade. And I mentioned that to George, that we should have something that went in, into junior high and high school because we had a son who was in junior high. Two weeks later, I was teaching middle school, junior high, Sunday school. I'll never forget the time that uh, it came for us as a church to decide whether we were going to be a church that was going to stay in temporary facilities or whether we were really going to become a part of this community and have a reach that would last really for, for years and decades. People began to pray. We had a little dinner together and people started thinking about the, the resources that they had that they, they might be willing to sacrifice so as to, to build land. And he wanted to buy land out in the middle of nowhere. It was an intersection that nobody lived on and it was, it was like, boy, has he got faith to want to go build a church out there. And um, because his faith was so big, it helped grow our faith and help us make a decision of we were going to stay in this church and be in it and be part of this process, or was it time for us to move on? At that time, that was when we decided to um, make that big leap of faith ourselves and do everything we could to make it happen. It was that kind of faith and sacrifice that enabled us to buy this land right here and to eventually build upon it so that we could reach thousands of people for Christ. After we built our final sanctuary, I'll never forget the first day. This place was packed. And I said to our church family, welcome to the big house. People loved it. And that phrase is stuck. And I remember the very first time standing on the risers in the big house 
And I remember what it sounded like when the choir sang for the first time. And we were all just teary-eyed. I remember it just, it was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful sound. And, and to, to hear God's praises filling up that place. And um, that was just a very, very memorable time. We wanted to see God do deeper work in all of our lives. We wanted to go deep with one another, and so we started life groups where there would be Bible studies and where there would be prayer. We also wanted to see God do a great work throughout the world, and so missions became a big emphasis. And as we continued down that road, we realized, you know what? We're not only here to reach the world for Christ, but we're here, still here, to reach our community. And for us to do that, we're gonna have to live outside the walls of our church. I've never been speechless before. <laughs> God is good. And no one man or one family could do this. We are better together. And I want to honor those who I stood upon their shoulders to get to where I'm at today. If you are in the big house and you were here with us at Carlisle Elementary, would you stand? There's a few of us here. Look at them right there. If you were here when we went to Schimmelfinnick, will you stand? Okay, there's a few more of us, okay? Remain standing. If you were here when we built, bought the land and, went and built the little house, will you stand? Okay, there's a few more of us still here. If you were here when we built the big house, will you stand? And if you are here today, will you stand, okay? All right. Yes. Okay, you can be seated because they just given me 20 minutes, okay? But I want you to know something. You, you may not realize this, but under me is a time capsule. And when we built the big house, every name that had passed through this church, that had given to it, that had served, was placed in that time capsule, and it's right below my feet right now. And one day, thousands of years from now, this place probably will not be here. And as the archaeologists come through, they're going to find that time capsule, and they're going to see people, read of people's names who've given their lives for the sake of the gospel. 
Church, when was the last time I told you that I loved you? It's been at least three months because I've been on this planned sabbatical, right? But I want you to know something. I love you. These last three months have been some of the longest three months of my life as I've been away watching Pastor Mark, but I've been worshiping with you, and I am back. I don't know if you realize this, but God supernaturally gave me a love for this community 32 years ago when I was in a plane, a two-seater, flying over Collin County, and I could see the masses of people coming this way, and I began to cry because I knew that God was going to be sending me here to plant a church. I cried like a baby. Out of that love came a faith, a faith to believe God and to trust God to make it happen, to persevere through all the challenges that I knew were going to be coming my way. Because one of the things that has driven me and LifePoint Church is that we want to offer hope to people who are hurting, helpless, and hopeless through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody knows their destinies. None of us here knows our destinies. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, not knowing what he was going to discover. Nobody on the Mayflower in the 1600s knew what they were beginning. Those who participated in the first Continental Congress in the 1700s couldn't even begin to imagine what this country would be like 250 years ago. And on March 12th, 1989, a band of committed Christians started LifePoint and we had no idea on how it was going to turn out. We never get to see in advance the destiny that God has for us. We never get to see how our lives will impact future generations. God doesn't show it to us in advance. But there are some things that we do know. We do know that our destinies are determined by God. And, those de and that destiny is set when he set the time and the place of your birth. It is an Acts 17, 26 principle where it says, and he marked out their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. When God set the boundaries of your life, folks, it determined a lot. For instance, it is not your destiny to invent the telephone. It's already been invented. Sorry to tell you that, okay? It is not your destiny to discover flight. It's already happened. It is not your destiny to fight in World War I or World War II. It has already happened. It's not your destiny to be the first person to step on the moon. It's already happened. Maybe the first person to step on Mars, that's possible. 
When God set the boundaries of your life, the time and the place, it determined a lot. We know that our destinies are intertwined with each other. You weren't meant to live life alone. Romans 14, seven says, nobody lives for themselves and nobody dies for themselves. In other words, your destiny is wrapped up in my destiny. And my destiny is wrapped up in your destiny. We are a spiritual family. And if God did not want you to be a part of this spiritual family over the 32 years, guess what? You wouldn't have been here. But you are. God put you in this spiritual family at this time, at this place, and at this historic moment. And Pastor Mark is gonna launch it next week and I can't wait to hear it as we go to the ends of the earth. Another thing that we know is that our destinies can be missed if we choose our plans over God's plans. As your pastor for 32 years and now as your pastor emeritus George, you can just call me Peg now, right? It has been my responsibility to help you understand your role in making history of what God is doing in the world. We know another thing about our destinies, that we are to be a part of God's family. History is moving towards a climax. And that climax is when God is going to gather all, all of his kids throughout history and bring them together in heaven around his throne forever and ever and ever. And our job between now and then is to help people understand that. And I hope we're praying for three every day because I am. And to help them be a part of God's family. This is the whole goal of why God made the universe. God made the universe so as to make our solar system, so as to make our planet. And he made our planet in such a way so that he could make you. And God made you for a purpose. That purpose in the Bible is referred to as your calling. You have a general calling and you have a unique calling from God. A unique destiny that only you can fulfill. I can't fulfill it. Your spouse can't fulfill it. Your kids can't fulfill it. Your mom and dad can't fulfill it. Only God and you can fulfill it. That is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 said this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. My question is this, how in the world do you do that? How do you fulfill your unique destiny or calling that God has on your life? Well, I'm going to give you two examples this morning of two different people who fulfilled their unique callings on their life. One is out of the Old Testament, Caleb, and the other one is out of the New Testament, Timothy. We'll start with Caleb. He's in the Old Testament. We know the story of Exodus, do we not? 
God's people are in slavery for 400 years under the burden of a culture that was oppressive. And God raised up Moses to lead those people out of Egypt and he leads them to the promised land. He sends out 12 spies. They go into the land, they scope things out, they come back and the majority report, 10 of them said, guess what? The land is filled with milk and honey but there are giants in the land, we shouldn't go in. The minority report, Joshua and Caleb, said, they're right. There is, the land is filled with milk and honey, and there are giants in the land, but God is on our side. Let's go for it. But the people listened to the majority report, and as a result, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The only two people that got to go into the promised land was Joshua and Caleb. Folks, Moses didn't even get to go in. And from Caleb's life, we learn three things about fulfilling your calling. And the first one is simply this. I must believe it can happen, even if I'm scared to death. When Caleb got back, he said, hey, the land's filled with milk and honey. There are giants in the land, but we can do this. He, he had a confidence and a belief in God that helped him move forward in spite of the giants that were there. Take a look at Numbers 14, eight and nine. Caleb said, the Lord will lead us into that land and will give us that fertile land. Don't turn against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people in the land. We will chew them up. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. I can remember when I came here over 32 years ago now in a U-Haul trailer pulling another trailer with all our worldly goods coming down 35 and it hits 635. And you know that big bridge, it goes like this, like six stories up and then down onto 635. As that truck went up, my stomach went down. And I thought, oh God, what in the world have I done? I was scared to death. When we launched Grace Community back then, now LifePoint, I was promised three years of salary, support, but after three months, it was cut off. How would you like to be in that boat? I was scared to death. But I knew that God was on our side. Secondly, we learned from Caleb that I must be willing to reject negative advice. Anytime you really get serious about doing God's will, his calling on your life, you can know that there's going to be criticism and opposition. I had it from my immediate family, especially my dad, who said, you're crazy. You're stupid. You're a fool. It'll never happen. I had it from extended family who ostracized us. When we went to family reunions, we were always, Cheryl and I were always the ones that had to sit at the little kids table while the adults were somewhere else. When I told the mayor of Plano back then, hey, this is what we're going to do. This church is going to be personal, practical, and positive. He looked at me and says, who do you think you are? Wrong question. It's not who do I think I am. It's who do I believe God is. 
when I had a consultant, the church had just gotten off the ground. We had probably 80 people who came in. You know how you started this church? It ain't gonna be any more than 100. You see, I started with the community in mind and not the core because that's who I wanted to reach. And so guess what I did with that consultant? I fired his butt. <laughs> Folks, you gotta be willing to go against negative advice and opposition. Numbers 14, 10, the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. But I love this last part. But the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all of Israel from the tabernacle. God always comes in and rescues his people at the end. You've got to be willing to reject negative advice and opposition. The third thing is this. I must believe it's never too late. Now remember, 40 years have passed. And Caleb is getting ready to go in. And this is what he says right here in Joshua 14. I am now 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out and I am just as ready to fight now as I was then. So give me the mountain region the Lord promised me the day that that day long ago you know the giants live there and the cities are large with great walls he in essence is saying at 85 years old think of this I'm not done yet folks I'm not done yet I'm going to be right behind Mark supporting him all the way he's saying it's never too late. I had dreams of taking a little bit more trips during this sabbatical time, but my wife, as you all know, has long haul or uh, post-COVID. And so I found myself just kind of piddling around, which was great. God has a purpose for it. I found myself at one of my favorite stores, Hallmark. You know, Christmas in July, you know. Hallmark movies, I love those things. And while I was in there, it was interesting that you could see birthday cards for 80-year-olds and 85-year-olds and 90s and 100-year-olds. Why is that? It's because people are living longer today. When my dad was born, the, the age expectancy was 60 years old. Today, it's 79. Now, let's admit, some of us right now are on the shorter end of the stick of time. And we are holding on to dear life. And we're thinking, you know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life? I am just going to coast. You've got to be kidding me. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to golf. Mark was telling me a story about someone collecting seashells in their retirement. Oh, wow. That sounds exciting. <laughs> Some of us travel. That's what I'm going to do. I can't tell you how many times as I told people, I'm retired now. I guess I'm still a pastor. Once you're a pastor, you're always a pastor. Well, are you going to travel? And I look at, no. God has sent me around the world. I've been to more places, I'm sure, than you can even imagine. I want to give my life to the Lord and serve his church, his bride, for the rest of my life. Don't hang it up. 
You may not work at the same job that you did for 32 years, but you never stop doing ministry and serving the bride of Christ. Don't retire, re-enlist. Some of you are in the Caleb generation. And so don't give it up. Abraham started when he was 75 years old. Moses started when he was 80 years old. Daniel was still kicking the can down the road when he was 85 years old. You gotta believe you can do it even when you're 85. And you might be scared to death. You gotta reject negative criticism and opposition and you've got to believe that it's never too late. Now I wanna transition to Timothy. Timothy was the opposite of Caleb. He was just a young man. We have a lot of young people in this church. He was about 21 years old when Paul took him under his wing. And he had an emotional issue of panic attacks that would paralyze him. That's why God came along to him and said, hey, I've not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and sound mind. And from Timothy's life, we learn three additional things. One is this, if I'm going to fulfill my unique destiny, I must develop my gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given me. Take a look at 1 Timothy 4, 12, 14, and 17. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. I can't tell you how many younger pastors I've told this to. But be an example for the believers in your speech. That's the first thing he mentions. Young people, watch your language. What you say will affect you and determine the destiny of your life. Your conduct, your love, your faith, and purity. And do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. Practice these things and devote yourselves to them in order that your progress may be seen by all. Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul said. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So let me say this to those who are 45 and younger. Your number one responsibility is to develop the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has given you. And not just for your career, but to build the church. The second thing, if you're gonna fulfill your destiny, is you gotta refuse to be distracted. When I started LifePoint Church, at 36 years old, I determined that I was gonna make the number one thing, the number one thing of growing my character, developing my leadership skills, and growing this church. I had people early on in those days as we were just struggling, hey, George, I wanna take you out to dinner. I'd like to talk with you about the church. And I'd sit down with them, and after an hour and a half, they tried to get me into Amway. <laughs> that ticked me off. <laughs> I just lost an hour and a half of time. Amway's a great organization, okay? But I kept the number one thing number one. 
Notice what Paul said here. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right and God will save you and those who hear you. Second, 1 Timothy 6, 20, 21. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. One of the easiest things to do in our culture today is to get sidetracked, is to get distracted. We have more things in our culture today. Young people, listen to this. Than ever before, now we have video on demand. We can binge all the whole weekend on watching Friends. We can travel, we can start hobbies, we can do video games. Things that distract us from the gifts that God has given us. If there is one thing that I did right, is was I stay focused. I've done a lot of things wrong, don't misunderstand me, I have done a lot of things wrong, but if there's one thing that I've done right, I kept the number one thing, number one in my life of developing my character and my gifts and seeking to grow God's kingdom. And then the last thing is give God your very best. If you wanna fulfill the destiny that God has for your life, you got to make him number one in every area of your life. Whatever you put God number one in, folks, he blesses it. If you put him in your life, he will bless your life. If you put him in your marriage, he will bless your marriage. If you put him in your family, he will bless your family. If you will put him in your finances, he will bless your finances. If you put him in your career, he will bless your career. You must believe it can be done even though you might be scared to death. You must be willing to resist opposition and criticism. You must believe that it is never too late. You must develop the gifts that God has given you. You must refuse to be distracted and you must give God your very best. Take a look at 1 Timothy 6. Run your best in the race of faith and win the eternal life for yourself. For it was to this life that God has called you. Now these are two very different people. One was older and one was younger. All of us in this room fit into one of those two categories. I'm gonna let you place yourself wherever you want to be. (laughs) My question is this. What was the impact of their life? Well, Paul said this of Timothy. I have no one else like Timothy. What an epitaph. Out of all the people that Paul knew, folks, Paul knew a lot. You can just read the book of Romans, the last chapter, and there's just hordes of people. But he only said this of Timothy. I only have Timothy. He is of kindred spirit. He he is like me because he is fully committed to the gospel and fulfilling the calling that is on his life. Notice what God said of Caleb. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. In other words, he just didn't go with the crowd. And he follows me wholeheartedly. I will give him the land he went to and his generations following will inherit it. That is a legacy. So, 
Let me say this to both generations. The Caleb generation, if you're in that, or the Timothy generation. God wants to say this of you. I have no one else like you. No one. You're it. Because you followed me wholeheartedly with the calling that I had on your life for the reason that I made you. And I am going to bless you and your family and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. What a great blessing that would be. I want to invite up my partner in crime. She's kind of weak. Cheryl, come on up. Sit down, sweets. God has blessed not only me, but God has blessed my wife. We're the first generation. Now, my boys, David is at home. Matt and Aaron, be by your mom right over here. My son David, he's in town, but Sarah's sick, so he has to babysit. Sorry, David. <laughs> then I want to invite their wives up because God has blessed them as well. Carolina and Melissa. And this goes for Sarah, who's watching online at home. Be next to your. This is the second generation. And then God has blessed the third generation. Andrew, Layla, okay, Isley, come on up. Be by your moms and dads, that's cool. That's the third generation. Now, I hope to live to see the fourth generation, to be great-grandparents, okay? We'll trust God with that one. Oh, and there's Dominic, yes. And Dominic, who's at home, okay? I call him Big D. Three generations. And if we really wanted to include my mom who's watching online in Kansas City, I'd be the second and these would be the third and the fourth generation. And God is blessed. It's God. Whatever you put God number one in, I guarantee you, he will bless you and your family, your marriage, and your kids, and your, your, the spouses of, their, their, of, of theirs, and your grandkids. And so, seek God. Let's give it up for them. Let's, you guys can. Okay, you guys can go on and sit. Uh, mom, I don't know where mom's gonna go. Mom, where are you gonna go? 
go back there. Okay, I want to close with just two verses. My life verse. Genesis 13, not Genesis, Acts 13, 36. And David served God's purposes in his generation, and then he died. David served the eternal in a temporal way. He served the timeless in a timely way. And then he died. I'm not dead yet. I'm going to still serve God's purposes. And why? Because God is faithful. Take a look at this last verse out of 1 Thess 5. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. God is faithful. For those of you who are in the Caleb generation, this church needs your wisdom and your experience. For those of you who are in the Timothy generation, we need your energy. We need your creativity. We are a spiritual family that works together. And as we seek to fulfill God's unique calling on our life, God will be faithful and he will grow his church. And this spiritual family, I believe, is a testimony of God's faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, I just am overwhelmed, God, with uh, all kinds of emotions. I'm grateful, God, for where you've set my boundaries. Not just because I live in one of the greatest places on earth, but because of between those boundaries, God, are just awesome people that you've given me the privilege to be a part of over these 32 years. And I want to thank you for that, God. God, I want to thank you for your church life point and for how they have sought to follow you for 32 years. And God, we are at the precipice of moving into the future and discovering all the exciting things that you have for us as we face giants in the land still today. And yet, God, you're faithful. And I want to ask you, God, that you would just pour out your spirit on this spiritual family and that you would give Mark grace and wisdom and insight and courage to move this church forward into the preferred future that you have for us as a spiritual family, God. And so we entrust all these things to you because, God, you're good. You're always good. In your son's precious name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.